This is Mike Volkoff. This is uh, episode 150 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Uh, thanks for joining me today. We're going to talk about the uh, Novartis settlement of the False Claims Act, an anti-kickback case for $729 million. Uh, hope everyone's doing well, uh, staying safe, staying healthy. Uh, again, it's a tough time in our country, and hope everybody is uh, continuing to work. Uh, even remotely, and that uh, things are going well with your friends, family, uh, and everyone. Before we get started, here's a word from our sponsor, uh, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to day-to-day -day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, I wanted to turn to uh, Novartis again, but this time on its uh, False Claims Act and anti-kickback uh, settlement, which was reached in two cases. Um, I'm trying to figure out what uh, the Justice Department is doing here because in my view, we have a new poster child for a defective uh, corporate culture of wrongdoing. Um, if any situation looks uh, messy, it's Novartis right now. In my view, they've joined the exclusive club along with Siemens, General Motors, Wells Fargo, uh, you name it, take your worst pick uh, and put them in the Misconduct Hall of Fame. Within the space of two weeks, Novartis has settled FCPA violations for foreign bribery. And just recently, obviously, they settled two separate cases in the United States for anti-kickback and false claims act violations. And let's call it what it was, 
domestic bribery. Um, and Novartis uh, now faces a significant challenge. Is it really prepared to address its culture problems, its record of misconduct, and make the changes and commitment to right the ship, meaning to bring about a culture of compliance? Uh, in the absence of real changes from the head of the organization on down, the likely answer will be a resounding no. So far, we've seen little accountability, no major changes in senior management. The CEO left and the general counsel left, but no changes at the board level or senior legal or compliance teams. Until that happens, uh, Novartis is likely to limp along, and as we always say, time will tell in terms of their ability to address uh, their problems. There are a couple of observations I have, at least at this point, in the prosecution schemes uh, that have been going on, is we've seen no individuals prosecuted in the FCPA case. Um, and again, rem remember that they settled foreign bribery cases for $337 million, and this was after in 2016 they had had uh, an SEC settlement for foreign bribery problems in China. Now we see uh, how this culture has continued from 2016 on in terms of enforcement. We've seen no individuals, um, a, uh, no individuals prosecuted uh, criminally. And in, interestingly, all we have is a corporate integrity agreement, which is a HHS type of procedure uh, implemented by the Office of Inspector General. But we don't have a compliance monitor. And I still uh, don't understand that. Now, granted, we have no insight or real insight into what compliance changes have been made, but I don't care if you put in the most enhanced, beautiful program ever seen. Uh, the fact is that we have a culture here where trust is really so is sorely lacking. So I'm uh, skeptical as to what's going on with regard to Novartis. I'm skeptical with regard to DOJ's uh, plans with regard to prosecutions of individuals. Why aren't there individuals prosecuted in the FCPA case? And that could be coming with the cooperation. And why aren't there individuals prosecuted with regard to uh, the False Claims Act schemes we're going to talk about in a second? Uh, and one point I'm going to make in the False Claims Act situation is that apparently these schemes were known to senior management all the way up to the top of Novartis in the United States. Uh, and so those are people who should be held accountable individually, uh, as well as obviously uh, the company in some more meaningful way. Obviously, the, the amount of money here is invo involved is a lot. We're talking about over a billion in both the FCPA and in uh, these cases here. But this is something that has to be uh, looked at, and uh, I'd like to see sort of um, more, you know, I wish I had more insight into exactly what Novartis has done on the inside. Uh, I was aware about a year ago or so, Donna Bohm, who you all uh, may know very well in the compliance circles, had uh, written about Novartis putting in a new um, sort of management, senior management requirement, which required every senior manager uh, was not eligible for a bonus unless they satisfied ethics and compliance requirements. And this was uh, sort of trend setting at that point, and I don't know how much that went into DOJ's calculation, if at all, uh, but that was an attempt on their part to make senior management more accountable. So we'll have to see. We'll watch. 
Um, but uh, there are definitely a lot of questions with regard to the Justice Department's handling of this case. So let's go through the, uh, the two schemes that are at issue in the False Claims Act and anti-kickback. In the first case, Novartis agreed to pay approximately $51 million dollars uh, to settle uh, its illegal use of three foundations uh, to pay co-payments of Medicare patients who were taking Novartis's drugs, Galena and Affinitor. Uh, Novartis funneled money through the three foundations as basically a kickback and intended to increase usage of its drugs by basically paying the patient's co-payment obligations. Now, there are other companies that have been uh, tar you know, prosecuted with regard to uh, the improper use of foundations, and uh, Novartis joins that club. Uh, there were a number of uh, companies in, on my blog. We've, uh, we've talked about that. Now, Galena is used to treat relapsing multiple sclerosis. Uh, Novartis developed a plan with a contractor to transition approximately 300 patients from Novartis's free drug program to Medicare so that Novartis would receive payments from Medicare for Galena prescriptions. Novartis then developed a plan with the foundation, uh, each of the foundations, to pay for the patient's co-payments. And Novartis made sure that the contractor and the foundation coordinated the applications to the foundation for the patients uh, so that Novartis's funds were specially assigned to the 300 Galena patients. And that's Perhaps the big problem here is that there's no problem in donating money to a foundation that funnels money for uh, patients who are unable to pay. The problem is you can't correlate that with how many uh, actual payments are made. In other words, it's got to be out of a pot of money, and it's selected by the foundation members who are supposedly separate from the, uh, the donating pharmaceutical companies. Here, they cross the line. Now, Novartis' scheme also included its sales of Affinitor, a second-line treatment for advanced renal cell carcinoma and a treatment for progressive neuroendocrine tumors of pancreatic origin. In 2010, Novartis learned that it would be the only contributor to a charitable foundation for copay assistance for Affinitor treatment. Novartis told the foundation that it would be willing to donate money to the fund only if the eligibility definition was narrowed to ensure that Novartis's drug would receive an increased amount of the copay assistance. So obviously you can't do that. Uh, the foundation agreed to the change and Novartis's patients received a greater proportion of assistance in comparison to the overall usage rate of its drug, Affinitor. So that was the first scheme, $51 million. Uh, the second scheme, which is perhaps more egregious and disgusting once we go through it, uh, is pretty blatant, and Novartis was well-known in the industry for sort of crossing the line in this area and really not giving a darn about compliance. Uh, in this case, uh, this was bribery payments that were made to physicians, and Novartis paid uh, $591 million and agreed to forfeit $38 million uh, to resolve anti-kickback and False Claims Act charges for paying bribes to doctors to prescribe approximately 11 Novartis drugs. They also agreed to pay $48 million to settle state Medicaid claims. So Novartis's pervasive and corrupt speaker program functioned basically as a, as a bribery scheme. And uh, the way that it works, uh, worked was to try to increase physician prescription of Novartis drugs. 
The scheme was known to and carried out with the full support and direction of top management at Novartis's United States headquarters in New Jersey. So what happened is Novartis hosted tens of thousands, I mean tens of thousands of speaker programs and related events as so-called quote-unquote educational events when in fact the events were conduits to pay bribes. Novartis paid physicians honoraria for alleged lectures, which were never delivered, regarding a Novartis medication, but in fact many of these programs were just social events at lavish restaurants, wineries, golf clubs, and other sports venues with little or no discussion about Novartis drugs. The Justice Department, you can tell how heated this was or how disgusted Justice was, that they noted that Novartis even held 75 events at Hooters. Some of the events never even took place. The physician was paid a fee, uh, basically a bribe, to induce the physician to increase prescriptions of Novartis drugs. It even got to the point where Novartis attempted to provide cover for the illegal scheme by occasionally including quote-unquote educational material, which consisted of a few slides shown at each meeting. The few slides were uh, repeatedly shown to the same physician audience as a means to disguise the real purpose of the event. So another uh, touch point here is Obviously, if you're going to have a speaker program, it's got to be legitimate. Somebody's got to review the content, but somebody's got to also make sure that it was delivered and that that was the true purpose of the event. Uh, Here, you'll notice you don't see any attempt by compliance legal to do anything with regard to any of this this, uh, pervasive and corrupt scheme. Novartis uh, sales representatives controlled the selection of high-volume prescribers as speakers in order to pay them uh, and, and to influence them to write more prescription. If a physician failed to do so, Novartis sales representatives dropped the physician from the speaker program. So we can see that the speaker program as it worked in the domestic area, and if you go back and listen to or read some of the FCPA foreign bribery, it was the same means was used with regard to sending uh, physicians to um, uh, congresses, medical congresses, and they would pick people to send, they would pick people to, to go based upon whether or not they were writing enough physician uh, prescriptions to begin with, and then after that uh, to induce them to do more. So notice at the same time that we have this domestic bribery going on, we also had the FCPA violations occurring uh, in those countries involved uh, Vietnam, Greece, uh, particularly Greece, and uh, even China uh, and Japan. So this is what uh, is of concern here is with regard to Novartis's uh, actions. I want to take a moment just to go through the corporate integrity agreement. So what happens in these uh, cases and in the resolution is that uh, Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General uh, entered into a five-year corporate integrity agreement. It's called the CIA. And the CIA requires Novartis to reduce the number of speaker programs and restricts the amount that can be paid for such programs. Interestingly, the CIA authorizes only remote speaker programs in order to reduce Novartis's uh, sales interactions with physicians. Under the CIA, Novartis has to implement measures to promote independence from any patient assistance programs to which it contributes. Now, that goes towards the foundations and the patient assistance programs. 
To ensure compliance with the CIA, Novartis is required to implement a comprehensive monitoring program. Individual Novartis executives and board members are required to provide regular, and I think they're usually annual, compliance certifications. But again, let's put this all in context. I know that the CIA and the HHS uh, OIG's office is very uh, specific and spends a lot of time in terms of oversight here. But what's needed is something broader. What's needed is oversight uh, clearly for its global operations as well as its domestic operations. Uh, and that I would have expected to see with a compliance uh, monitor in the FCPA arrangement, but for some reason that was not included. Uh, it must be some, uh, you know, very good presentation that was made with regard to compliance and the enhancements that were implemented by Novartis, because otherwise this is inexplicable. Given the global nature of these bribery activities in the U.S. and outside the U.S., something had to be done. And we're still waiting for accountability. We're still waiting for prosecutions to show that the Justice Department is, uh, means what it says when they care about going after individuals and holding them accountable. Well, that's it. Uh, I just wanted to give a brief overview of that. Um, look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe, stay in contact, and be good. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Picture your face well From the bar in my hotel I wish I could eat you I pick up, put down the phone Like your favorite heat master song goes It's just like being alone There's so much ahead and so much regret 